Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Thank you, men, for blessing us this morning. And our musicians, thank you so much for being here with us. I greet you all in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time. To my pastor, I thank you for this opportunity. And I honor God for what he has given me on this day. Pastor, we have missed you and Deacon Jay, and I know y'all thought Pastor would be up here today, but it's me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we are glad that you are back home. We are so glad that you're back home with us, and just thank you for how you encourage and love on all of us here at Pleasant Grove Church. To my church family, I cannot thank you enough for your prayers, how you all allow me to bother you sometimes and still love me. I give God glory for each one of you. To my friends and families who are work, watching virtually, I thank you for your love and support through the years. And then to my dear husband who is upstairs, he and Jessica got me all wired up this morning. I thank him for nearly 33 years of marriage. And I, <laughs> I thank God for him and for how he supports me in every endeavor that I undertake. God bless you, Rayford. Over the last few weeks, we here at Pleasant Grove have been talking a lot about change. Many changes have occurred over the last 31 months, and COVID has changed our lives forever, as well as our churches. Just look around. The isolation, the loneliness, and the loss of touch have crippled many people. The world continues to change daily as you hear of war after war, famine in many places that's kept silent, climate change, economic change, rare disease outbreaks, and many other changes. Change is constant, so the saying goes, and it sometimes comes with inconveniences that may be for better or for worse. Pastor Warren Wiersbe, an American Bible scholar and writer, reminds us that the world changes, circumstances changes, we change, but the word of God never changes. Now that's good news on this Sunday morning. So for the next few minutes, please allow me to lift up the sermonic theme, it's time for a change, as we focus on the miracle of the paralytic as read from our New Testament text today. I want to share three key components of the scripture and their relevance to our changing lives. They are the paralytic, the faith of the paralytic and his friends. I'm going to call them brother friends today. 
and the paralytic in the presence of God. Let us pray. Father God, the preaching hour has come, God. Lord, I pray that you will decrease me and you increase, God, so that your people may hear a word from you, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In your mighty and matchless name we pray, amen. After leaving Nazareth, where he was rejected by his own and his life was threatened, Jesus went to live in Capernaum. You see, in this life, as in the life of Jesus, sometimes even the people you know will turn against you. Capernaum was the center of fishing and commerce, and it was located on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was also a major Roman tax polling place. The Gospels reference Capernaum 16 times, but it is not mentioned at all in the rest of the New Testament. Gospel writers refer to Capernaum as Jesus' own city, for it is in this place where much of his ministry took place. In Capernaum, Jesus called five of his disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, John, who were fishermen, and Matthew, who was a tax collector. Jesus performed eight miracles in Capernaum. They include the healing of Jairus' daughter. He fed 5,000 people. He caught a miraculous amount of fish. He healed a demon-possessed man. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed the centurion's servant. He healed the woman with the issue of blood, and he healed the paralytic, as we will see today. Jesus would eventually curse Capernaum along with its neighboring towns of Chorazin and Bethsaida because even after he performed miracle after miracle there, the inhabitants of the towns did not believe him or his message and they refused to repent from their sinfulness. Just like the people of those towns, we who are surrounded by churches and have Bibles in practically every home will suffer consequences if we do not repent and believe in the word of God. In today's scripture, as captured in Mark, we have been told that Jesus is preaching and teaching in a home and it is full of people, both inside and out. You might say that Jesus is conducting a revival. During my preparation time, I learned quite a bit about the houses in ancient Israel, and they conformed to a pattern that was called the four-room pillared house. These houses met the basic needs for shelter and storage of daily necessities. The typical Israelite home was rectangular with one or two stories and had between two to four rooms. The Israelites used native materials such as stone, wood, reeds, and mud brick to build their homes for simple functionality. Regional variations in home design existed mainly because of the differences in available material. Stone pillars divided the lower level into parallel rooms. The roof was made by lowering logs or beams across the top of the walls, and then palm branches and straw were laid over the beams. The palm branches and straw would then be covered by clay. That kept it waterproof. However, the clay was renewed by special treatment from time to time, and especially after the rainy season. During the hot months, the roof was used for sleeping. The roof also could be used for domestic labor or storage, 
as in the story of Rahab, you remember, who hid the Israelite spies under stalks of flax on the roof. From time to time, the roof would even be used for worship and bathing. There was a railing that was built all the way around the roof's edge so that people would not fall. And there was an outside staircase made for easy access to the roof. As Jesus proceeds with preaching and teaching, a paralytic on a mat and his brother friends arrive. But there was no way for them to get into the house and into the very presence of Jesus. There were people everywhere, and there was standing room only. When they could not get in, they knew they had to become creative if their friend was to get to Jesus. We do not know the circumstances surrounding the case of this man's paralysis. Perhaps he has suffered a spinal injury at birth, or he may have had a stroke in later life, or maybe he had an accident that left him paralyzed. What we do know is that somewhere in their lifetime, these men had heard about Jesus, the miracles he performed, and they had enough faith to know that if they could just get to Jesus, their friend would be healed. Usually, we think of paralysis in its most common sense, which means complete or partial loss of function, especially when involving the movement or sensation in a body part, or loss of the ability to move at all. But there's a third meaning for paralysis, wherein it is defined as a state of powerlessness or incapacity to act. In other words, you are stuck. I stopped by this morning to ask you, what is your paralysis? Are you sick and feeling that you can't get well and just want to give up? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one that you prayed so hard for and knew they would survive? Are you depressed or anxious due to the endless craziness that we face in this world? Have you been rejected by someone that you loved and they didn't love you, so you feel you can never, ever love again? Are you stuck in a sea of unforgiveness for something that a family member or friend did or said five, 10, 15 years ago and now they've gone on about their life and you are still mad about it. Do you lash out at everyone in anger because you have failed to do in your life what you had the opportunities for and they took advantage of their opportunities? Are you full of greed and only concerned about material things? Are you addicted to drugs and or alcohol and use them to try and drown your sorrows away? Have you gotten all caught up in the politics of today, which have invaded our country and now they've invaded our churches? And we as Christians demonstrate hate and disdain toward our fellow man who does not look like us. This list could go on and on and on. We are stuck in some paralysis that have led only to sin in our lives. So often we say, oh, I'm going to change. We may even try to change ourselves. We tell ourselves things like, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to get myself together. Things will be different next time. Just you wait and see. But ultimately, our best intentioned attempts at change are fleeting and unsuccessful. We find ourselves right back in that same paralysis. 
It is also important to understand that sometimes Jesus does not change your paralysis because he is trying to change your heart. My brothers and sisters, it's time to let go of your paralysis and recognize that the same Jesus who healed this paralytic, as you will see, can do the same for you and change you into who and what he would have you to be. None of us can control the world around us, but we can change our way of thinking and control the world within us. Only our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can do both. We must fix our eyes on Jesus as the paralytic did and have faith in him. One author has called faith trust, informed trust in Almighty God. It is not a feeling but a choice based on God's love, our personal commitment to his will for our lives, and our reliance on him for our very existence. It is time for us, the people of God, to demonstrate our faith to the world as we follow the examples of Christ as laid out in his word. In other words, to demonstrate faith, we have to get in the word, understand who Christ is, how he can work in our lives, and what he expects us. I'm glad that I understand why Pastor Preston stresses our need for studying the word. It's the only way we can truly get to know the Lord. Faith in God often demands a radical change in our lifestyles and our behavior. Sometimes we may even have to walk away from people or situations that ultimately don't glorify God. That can be pretty tough, but we have to ask the Lord to lead us. When people see us, they should see Jesus in us. That is the true proof that we are faithful to him and that he has brought about change in our hearts. Even when we are not ready to make a change, know that God still loves us. Romans 8, 38, 39 tells us, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who wouldn't want to be faithful to a God like that, who loves me in spite of myself? Back to the paralytic and his brother friends. When they could not get through that crowd, they decided they had to think outside the box, but they had to get to Jesus. Perhaps the paralytic and his friends had been by the house before. Maybe they knew the builder of the house, or perhaps they just noticed the stairwell of the house when they could not enter. Regardless, they knew what that roof was made of. The man's brother friends carried him up the stairs to the roof, and they dug their way into the room. We're not told that they had any tools for digging, all we know is that they dug their way right through that clay roof. Can you imagine such? I would imagine that these brother friends prayed and never lost hope as they dug and dug and dug through that roof. They were persistent in their mission and persevered until the roof was changed and there was a hole big enough to get the mat and their friend through. They never gave up for they knew Faith without works is dead, 
and they did not get weary, as Galatians 6 and 9 tells us, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. These brother friends knew the paralytic would be healed and he would be able to reap the benefits that came along with the healing. That same persistence and perseverance must be present in our faith walk. Never, never, never give up on the Lord. My, my, my. Amen. My, my, my. What wonderful brother friends these were. They refused to give up on their faith and for getting their friend into the presence of Jesus. Do you have friends who will pick you up when you have fallen and your faith is weak? Do you have friends who know Jesus and can speak a word to you on a day when everything seems hopeless? Do you have friends who will help you dig your way out of some tough situation or some mess that you've gotten yourself into? Or maybe you are one of these kinds of friends or all of these kinds of friends. We all need friends like these brother friends and we ought to be like them. They were concerned about the well-being of their friend. They were determined to help get him what he needed. They were bold and did what had to be done despite the difficulty. They were loyal and committed to see their friend through until the end. These brother friends also loved the paralytic and cared enough for him to make provisions for him. And they knew that Jesus could make a difference in his life. If you have these types of friends, what a blessing. If you are like these friends, I thank God for you. If neither, it's time to ask the Lord to send you some true friends and rid you of those so-called friends who really could care less about you, if the truth be told. Ask God to also show you how to be the kind of friend these brothers were. For over in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, the word tells us two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And in Proverbs 17 and 17, the theme used by our Mac group, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Indeed, these brothers were in an adverse situation. Understand, however, that adversity may be painful, but the Lord uses it to further his purposes and equip us and sometimes those in our lives to carry out his plans. At some point in this life, we all will have need of a friend or we have needed a friend. For on this journey, we are not meant to walk alone, but we are to encourage one another and bear each other's burdens. Sometimes, as Dr. Tony Evans puts it, we even have to piggyback on the faith of others when ours is weak. The paralytic needed his brother friends and it's good to know that the Lord can and will place people in your lives, in our lives, to be there for us. You know, as you prepare for a sermon, sometimes the Lord gives you your sermon. <laughs> he puts you in action. 
on Friday, I got a call from one of my young sorority sisters who's about 32 years old. She has two little ones under the age of six, a husband, a job, and she is at home as sick as I've ever heard anyone at home with COVID. Simultaneously, her mom, who has many health challenges, is in the hospital with pneumonia. She cannot be at her mama's side and is just so upset and concerned. But one thing I like about and love about my little young sorority sister is that she has strong faith and she knows how to pray and she knows the word of God. So she, as I, as I had planned to spend Friday preparing more for my sermon, I get this text and she says, Miss Paula, can you please go check on mama at the hospital? Now, I could have come up with all kind of excuses. And like I said, I needed to prepare even a little more for today. But I put my clothes on and I went to check on her mama. Mama was completely disoriented. You could not get her attention yelling and shaking her. The nurse was in the room. The doctors came in. And I was trying not to play doctor too much. Um, and, but I did ask them quite a few questions. They did a lot of tests. They did blood tests. They did a CT scan. They did EKGs. Everything came back normal, but she was still there disoriented. We prayed and prayed and prayed. I eventually left, and there was still another test to be done to look for clots in her leg and in her lung. That night, the ultrasound of her leg revealed clots. And so she was started on blood thinner medicine with hopes that that clot will not move and go into her lung. And her lungs were clear. Her daughter called on Saturday morning. I had promised her I'd go back. So before 8 o'clock, I was at Wake Med Carry, checking on her. Her mama was awake. Her mama knew who I was. And her mama was able to say, I am doing all right, Carla. You tell me that God won't answer prayer. The other thing that I want all of us to understand from this story is that sometimes, even when we feel that life might inconvenience us, we have to move and do the right thing. For God will place you where he needs you to be for his purpose in his time. We praise God that my girlfriend's mama is doing much better. And she recognizes people. She was able to eat some on yesterday. And we just thank God for showing us his power, just like he did with this paralytic. For God is God all by himself. He gives the doctors the knowledge. He gives them what they need to know and tells us what we need to do. All we need to do is follow his plan. The paralytic was lowered into the room and finally in the presence of Jesus. Jesus saw their faith through their bold and determined action to bring their friend to him. And he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, can you imagine these brother friends? I can imagine they were saying, we didn't bring him here to be forgiven. He's paralyzed. We want him to walk. Y'all know how we can do. But I imagine that's the same thing that they did. 
But Jesus knew what the paralytic's real and greatest need was, and he took the situation to a whole new level. What the paralytic, his brother friends, and everybody present with Jesus perceived as only a physical matter became a heart or a spiritual matter. Jesus forgave the paralytic of his sins and healed his sinful heart. What good would it be for a paralytic like us to have two whole legs, a heart full of sin, and be on our way to hell? Jesus shows us through the paralytic that he can fix our hearts, not just heal our bodies. For we serve a God who is more interested in changing us than in changing our situation, even though sometimes he does both. Just as Jesus knew what the paralytic needed, he knows what you and I need in our paralytic and sinful conditions. The Greek word for forgive is aphiomi. It means to let go, get rid of, or refuse to let it hinder. When the paralytic was finally face-to-face -face with or in the presence of Jesus, Jesus rid the paralytic of his paralytic states, both the physical and the spiritual. You see, the authority given to Jesus by his heavenly Father enabled Jesus to see all, know all, and respond accordingly in the life of this paralytic who was healed on the basis of his faith. When God came into the paralytic's heart by forgiving him, the paralytic was able to grab hold of his own mat and walk for all to see. He was healed from the inside out. What a testimony he must have had, and truly all present in that crowded room witnessed the power of God. We too can have a testimony, for in the presence of the Lord, things change, situations change, people change, and you can be released of your paralysis. We, like this paralytic, must put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For the same Jesus who healed the paralytic never changes, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he tells us in his word, without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Although Jesus is not physically present with us, as in this text, in human form, he is present right here with us. He is alive and lives within my heart. God sent his son Jesus to live among us so that he would understand everything we experience. We were and we are a sinful people, but God loved us so much that he gave his son to die for our sins. Jesus was crucified, died, buried, but he didn't stay there. He rose from the grave and later ascended into heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. But he did not leave us alone, for we have the Holy Spirit, the third person, not a thing, the third person, of the triune God, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
who dwells within us, all who believe and have faith in Jesus Christ, and we have accepted his saving power. To the believer, the Holy Spirit reveals the deep things of God, grants wisdom to make good choices, directs our paths, gives hope and comfort, and changes us into the image of God and gives us what we all need. As Jesus lives within me and in you, I have been forgiven and I can rely on him to heal me from my paralysis. Sometimes you just have to call out to him and make his word personal, but you can't call out what you don't know. Lord, I need some help to make it through. I am deep in these paralysis, and every turn it seems that life is caving in on me. But because of you, I am not crushed. I am perplexed and confused on which way to go, but not driven to complete hopelessness. I am persecuted, but not abandoned. For I know that you are right here with me. I have been struck down, beat up, beat down, but you have kept me from complete destruction. Lord, I'm standing on your promises and I remain in your presence. It's time for us, my brothers and sisters, who dwell in the presence of the Lord to let the world know that he can raise us up. If he can do it for us, he can do it for them. He will forgive them of their sin and heal any paralysis in their life. He can do it. Because of his grace, that's him giving us what we don't deserve, and his mercy, not receiving what we do deserve, we remain in his presence no matter what we face, no matter how dark the days, and no matter how paralyzed we become. You got to have faith and know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. And he stands ready to change our lives and rid us of all these paralysis so that he can get the glory. It is time for us to have a revival. As in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, very familiar to all of us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sins. Then I will forgive their sins, and then I will heal the land. We need forgiveness in this country today. We need forgiveness among one another, Lord. We need a healing, God. And we call on you right now for just that forgiveness and healing, Father God. Jesus, the Lord is beckoning all of us to come to him, to turn from our wicked ways and pray continually. Stand and study his word. It's the only way that we can make it through. Obey the word. Obey what we learn through the word. Live it and show the God that lives within us. Doing this, you will know that he is present, and everybody that you know that will know that he is present within you. According to his word, not Paula's word, but his word, in his presence, there is protection. God is our refuge and strength 
an ever-present help in time of trouble. In his presence, there is peace. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In his presence, there is relief from anxiety and stress. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to him. In his presence, there is rest from your weariness. Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In his presence, there is forgiveness of sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In his presence, there is hope. There is hope. But this I recall, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. And in his presence there is joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. My people, I tell you, it's time for a change. We can be changed, refined, and transformed when we live in the presence of Almighty God. Come into his presence, fully committed to him, and know that even when we face paralysis, troubles, and trials, he will forgive us and fill us with joy. It's time for a change. Amen. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. At this moment, I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart. I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.